Another outside battle came out of Father Jack's book, The Mindbenders, one of the cults that he discussed in there was a group called the local church. And that had a particularly personal poignancy for uh, Braun and Ballou because they had been nearly ripped off by the teaching um, of that movement. In fact, Father John wrote a manuscript that he never published entitled, My Heart Was Wounded at Watchman's Knee. <laughs> and in which he analyzed the theology of Watchman Nee, Witness Lee. It was his own effort really to sort through in his mind the, the differences between the historic Christian teaching about Christ and salvation and what was being taught there. And Father Jack's chapter is a brilliant chapter of analysis of the heretical soteriology and, and even anthropology of the teaching of the, of the local church. Well, they, they didn't take it sitting down. They actually filed suit. Uh, I read a little booklet in 1979 called Who's the Real Mindbender? Witness Lee or Jack Sparks. The uh, lawsuit carried on for several years. It was both against Thomas Nelson Publishers and Father Jack as the author. After a few years, the brethren felt like it was time to just let it go. Otherwise, it would just eat us up financially and so on for a while. So after it sold 100,000 copies, Thomas Nelson agreed to settle with the local church and pull the book off the market. We never did in any way retract anything that was said in the book. It just was one of those make it go away kind of kind of settlements. And we figured, well, 100,000 copies is not too shabby. They're still around. Uh, with, much, much and I, I had many letters from uh, members members of the church told me, we allowed Witness Lee to lie in his uh, uh, depositions. Yeah. Yeah. Depositions. Yeah. Depositions. And we are repentant of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As far as was concerned, we had done what we needed to do. And we had to drop it because we couldn't afford to keep going. Yeah, it was, we were actually taking up a collection of, what, $5 per member per month or something like that of the entire church for the legal defense fund to defend ourselves against that, that uh, lawsuit. So, I mean, we were all in it together. That was another part of the commitment there. If, if there was one of us who was being attacked, or, or especially on the basis of the faith, then we were all going to stand together you know, with him. We weren't going to let Father Jack go down um, you know, by himself at all. Yeah, yeah, well they, yeah, you know, lawsuits can claim all kinds of things. They say we, we they were saying what slanderously mischaracterizing their teaching uh, and defaming them because we called them a cult by association, and the title mind benders, you know, that they were, and the other groups in the book were, you know, groups like the Children of God, the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, Hare Krishnas, the Way International. The Moonies, Sun, Sun Moon, and, and his church. And in the second edition, and I love this, Father Jack, he, he uh, had an analysis of the People's Temple Christian Church. And that's the way he titled it. Uh, not, that was Jim Jones. 
and the point was that he was a, mem a minister in good standing of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ at the time of the Jonestown Massacre. And so Father Jack titled the title People's Temple Christian Church to make that point that he should have been disciplined by the denomination of which he was a part. But the key part of that book really was that first chapter and the last chapter, the yardstick for truth and the, the criteria by which you can determine what is true, the true faith. And if you use that as a measure, you can tell what a cult is. Just like with St. Vincent of Arendt, you can tell what's the profane novelties of the heretics. And, and that, so that was an important uh, issue. Those two chapters stand They do. And there's a copy in the library upstairs, if you're interested here, even though it's out of print. <laughs> I'm almost out of time. I will just say one other thing. We were in, the, in, in this time also still starting, trying to reach out to other uh, bodies. The Orthodox Church, however, at this point wasn't the only ecumenical kind of relationship we had. We attempted as a synod to establish membership in the National Association of Evangelicals. We thought that you know, the evangelical part of our heritage could be brought, you know, we could help make them more orthodox while we were becoming more orthodox our, ourselves. So, however, over the years, what happened was our application was tabled and they never ever really made a decision about it. We suspect that the reason they tabled it was because we were too sacramental in our theology and consequently we're not able to fit into the genre of churches that were in the NAE at that time. We also had ongoing discussions more for relationship rather than for potential union or anything with the Federation of Christian Communities, which was in, in those days there were a lot, uh, there still are some of these, Catholic charismatic communities or ecumenical charismatic communities like the Work of Christ community in Lansing, Michigan or the Word of God community in Ann Arbor, Michigan or in our area, the Alleluia community in Augusta, Georgia, which is still there, and one of my colleagues at the college is a member of that. And we, we had some meetings to dis, discuss. They were into community rather than church, and we were into church rather than just community. In fact, uh, and the, the reason that our dialogue really couldn't go very far was the only way they could maintain the community was if they de-emphasized the church because the people were still members of other churches. Whereas for us, the community was the church and the thing that held us together was the Eucharist. And if you weren't part of that, then you couldn't really be part of the community. So there was a, a bit of a tension that developed there. And I mentioned yesterday the one dialogue we had with the Roman Catholic Church in 1984 that left me convinced that the Roman Catholic Church was in big trouble in this country and that there wouldn't be, really be a place for us there. Uh, in fact, um, the Eastern Rite <clears throat> Ukrainian Catholic representative that was there said explicitly to me after the dialogue, don't come in here, you'll be, you won't be second-class citizens, you'll be third or fourth-class citizens. And because that's the way he felt about the Eastern Rite Catholic experience. 
The most important dialogue, of course, in this time, though, was our developing dialogue with the Orthodox Church. And I will uh, have to postpone that until tomorrow's uh, lecture and talk about that and some other things about our life as a church, the kind of things we were aspiring to do. I'll focus a little bit more tomorrow on the day-to-day -day life in our communities and the kind of things that we were trying to build, uh, build there. So uh, any questions at the moment? Thank you very much.